0: You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy
1: We do like our whiteboards, we do, uh, we are a relatively creative, relatively creative group. Yeah, I mean, Logan's colorblind and I can only draw on stick figures, but we get by. I mean, this last week I uh, literally drew something on a pad of paper and I showed it to Logan via Zoom and... um, and then I took a picture of it and sent. And he actually did a pretty good job. You'll you'll see his artwork a little later. But we are we are final week. Last week, last sermon, um, be a disciple, make a disciple. Last sermon of this series. And uh, what I what I find is when we have long sermon series, and we we have a couple next year that are longer. The we'll get jump back into Genesis at some point. Uh, we'll go through the Sermon on the Mount, we'll do a series on parables, lots of things going on next year, but for some reason, Logan and I love planning sermon series, but we don't like finishing them. We just we just want to be, like, by Sermon 6, we're like, are we done yet? I don't know, it's just part of who we are, but... Um, yeah, be a disciple, make a disciple, last sermon in this series, and, and I've wrestled over what do we talk about, but there are a couple passages that when it comes to legacy, when it comes to me living out my own discipleship and, and me wanting to help others live out discipleship, there's two passages that really grab my attention. Maybe there's a couple of passages in the scriptures that are like that for you like you you read them and you're like oh like that's a gut punch or oh I need to pay attention or wow Jesus said something really significant there that's some hard stuff like may, can you picture a couple of those passages for your life that are significant to you. Well, there's a couple passages that are significant to me, and, uh, and I want to talk through them today. Because we're talking about what does it mean to help people mature, not only ourselves, but other people. The first one is found in Matthew 7, and this comes from the Sermon on the Mount, and this, this comes towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. If we're going to modernize this, we might even be able to say, not everyone who prays the sinner's prayer is going to get into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Like, that's heavy stuff. Maybe it doesn't quite go that far. Maybe that's not exactly, but but there's something significant that Jesus is saying here. He, He wants to get our attention. But it is he who does the will. My Father who is in heaven will enter. That's who will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice Lawlessness. So, guys, I, I've, I've read this passage, I don't know how many times in my life, but in the last five, ten years, like, it, it just, it, it, it's like cold water thrown on my face. And it, it shocks me. It shocks me. And in, in this passage, it reminds me, I think, of two key elements. One, it's imperative that we know Jesus and Jesus knows us. That's, it's a two-way street. It's a, it's, a, it's a bi-directional conversation. It's super important to Jesus that we have this conversation, this relationship that goes both Directions, not only do we know him, but he knows us. And so for me, the way I live that out is I make sure that I knock on heaven's door almost daily. Like I honestly I take time intentionally to like, Lord, I'm here. Do you remember me? Remember the guy that, you know, little quirky, very gray, cool beard. I remember, like, I want him to know me, and I want to know him. And the, the second piece that comes out of this is part of the knowing him, because Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands, right? Well, he says in, in, this, in this passage that It's doing the will of the Father that matters. It's doing the will of the Father. We spent the last two weeks talking about the fact that God has designed us for service and that all of us have a part to play and that it could be within the four walls of the church. That's where we kind of practice. That's kind of where we... uh, Get ready for the real game, which oftentimes is, is played out there. Not, not that we, it, the real game's not played here, too, but, but for some of us, we weren't designed for serving within the church. We were actually designed better to serve outside the church, and I just want to make sure that we champion that. But ultimately, the people outside of the church should get a lot of benefit for us coming together. But I don't want to get to the point where where we go to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons and and perform many miracles and have him say to us, I never knew you. And so for for myself, I'm going to take time on, on a daily basis to make sure that I reconnect with him. I'm going to take time to read his words. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray to him. I'm going to ask him, like we have been as a church, Lord, am I doing the things that you are calling me to do? Are we heading down the path that you called us to go down? Or, or did we get off track? Like, And are there things that we need to confess? Lord, where are you in This scenario, are we following you or are we asking you to get on our agenda? So I take time on a regular basis for that. But there's a second passage that gets my attention when it comes to legacy, when it comes to this call of being a disciple and, and I find it in judges two ten now, the first nine verses is telling us about uh joshua and and that joshua um, has has died they 've entered into the promised land uh the people that uh, that were they were young they were um uh, they were children when when their parents disobeyed, and so now they've entered the promised land and it says this, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. in other words, uh, Joshua and, and all of his con- all of his contemporaries, all the people that his age, his generation, goes to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them. Who did not know the Lord, who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. There grew up a generation after Joshua that did not know the Lord, nor his works. How is that possible? What happened? And I, and I wonder for me, because, you know, from in the military, I grew to understand that, that once I became a senior non-commissioned officer, that one of my responsibilities was to make sure that the next generation of airmen knew how to live out the core values that we had as a military organization. I gain to appreciate that. Well, if it, was, if it was true there in the military, and I'm grateful, you know, we just had Veterans Day and, and there's been generations of faithful servants within the military so that you and I can have this conversation here and now, right? If it was true there, how much more is it true over here in this other part of my life that's way more significant where I want to make sure that I live out my calling in such a way that the next generation of believers are there and they know what it means to follow Christ and they know what it means to experience him. They know his works and the personal relationship that I experience isn't just for me, but it's for them to experience too. And that's what this passage is speaking about. How did they get here? Well, Exodus gives us a pretty good backstory. Um, A couple weeks ago, I talked to you about Exodus 20, 19. Remember, Exodus 20 is one of the places where the Ten Commandments are given. We're given the Ten Commandments in two places in the Scriptures. And Exodus 20 is one of those places and in Exodus 2019, the people tell Moses, you speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we will die. Do you remember that conversation where, where I said, you know, it, it, it never works well for us to have a relationship with God through someone else. And that's what the people of Israel chose. Moses, you talk to God, and we will talk with you. you. That may be where you're at in your own relationship with God. Rob, you talk with God, and then I will talk with you. Or maybe you've seen someone where their only connection with God was through some significant person in their life, either through their mom or their grandmother or their best friend and when that significant person leaves, there's no longer this connection. I've been there in my teens. When I was around people that had this connection with God, I did really well. But when they were out of my life, I didn't do so hot. And so that's part of the backstory, but the backstory continues in Exodus 33. Now, Moses used to take the tent. And pitched it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about, whenever Moses went out to the tent, that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent." Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his own tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as man speaks to to his friend. Wow. I would love to have that on my gravestone, wouldn't you? God spoke to Rob face to face as a friend speaks to his friend or a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would depart from the tent. we got some extra verses in there. Uh, let's go on to the next slide. Okay, so this is the picture. This is the picture of what we just read. This is Robin Logan's artwork. Isn't it beautiful? So off to the right is, is the camp. That's the people. They, they, they have proximity to God. They see what's happening between Moses and God and Moses and Joshua, but they are, there's still a distance between them. There's, there's a separation between them. Okay? And so over on the left hand side, you see Moses, you see Joshua, and you see the pillar of cloud that, that comes down. We have discipleship happening here. Moses disciples Joshua. And that's good because when when Moses dies, Joshua has to lead the people. And he's going to need a personal connection with the Lord too. So this is pretty important. But again, you have the separation between the people at their tents and what's going on between Moses and Joshua. Joshua. Let's go ahead and look at the next. When Moses dies, and by the way, I think Moses is what we'd call an intentional leader because he intentionally invests in Joshua. Maybe you had someone intentionally invest in you spiritually. They had regular conversations with you. They taught you the scriptures they, they helped you find things within the Bible when you had questions. They helped you resolve issues in your life using God's word. They helped you know how to pray. They, they helped you to know God's voice in your life. Maybe you had someone that was intentional with you. Moses was intentional with Joshua. But the sense that we get is that when Moses dies, Joshua doesn't, train up his own disciple. And the people are still, they still have the same proximity problem. They, they're close, but not that close. Okay? And so when Joshua dies, let's go on to the next slide. Who is it that's going to engage with God face to face? so that the rest of the people can engage with that person so that they can be put on the right path. And and the book of Judges is a storyline of someone standing up to that role, someone standing in the gap and choosing to to have a personal connection with the Lord and lead the people, sometimes um, courageously, sometimes reluctantly, And then, when that person leaves the scene, everything falls apart spiritually. Let's go back a couple slides. Back to Moses and. hmm. I'll forward one slide. I'm sorry. There we go. Perfect. So Moses here on the left, he's, he's discipling Joshua. And the other people, they're, again, they're, they, they could represent people that just show up for church. Maybe you've seen that person, maybe you've known that person, maybe you've been that person at one point in your life where, where you thought, man, if I just show up to church, things will change in my life. What we have to do as a community of of believers is help people transition from the community that has some level of proximity. They're getting getting close. They don't get too close, but they're getting close. But we need to keep inviting them in until they have that face-to-face relationship with God too. That is the goal. Because if we don't disciple people like Moses discipled Joshua, if we don't disciple people, we will end up with a generation that doesn't know the Lord nor his works. And that would be a failure on my part. I don't want to do church that way. I don't think we should do church that way. I think Christ calls us something different. In Matthew 28, we got the great commission. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He's not wasting a word here. We know that Christianity pretty quickly and probably immediately was, was illegal within Judea, for sure. We'll see the church persecuted pretty quickly. And then the Romans get involved with the persecution as well. So I I think the disciples would need to know that Jesus, all authority, all authority, because sometimes it doesn't feel like it's safe telling people about Jesus, but Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth has been granted to him. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I'm not sure if we're to the end of the age, but we're a lot closer to the end than they were 2,000 years ago. And Jesus is still Jesus chooses to be with us when we buy into this call to make disciples, to make disciples, to make disciples. And in this passage, we see, we see personal relationship. We see Jesus choosing to be with us. We see, in, we see intentionality. Jesus says, as you are, in the Greek, it's as you're going. Whatever you're doing in life, As you traverse the path of life, is another way to say it. Make disciples. Baptize people. Teach them to observe everything that Jesus has commanded us. And in order to do that, we have to see the people that have proximity. They're they're getting as close as they feel comfortable getting. And honestly, sometimes we just need to be patient. We just need to be patient when people, they want to be closer, but they don't know, they don't know how or, they, or they're not sure they can handle it or, or, they've, or they've had a bad experience and we have to be patient in those circumstances. But, but we should still be willing to, to help connect those folks as they are ready. And we should be praying for them on the regular. As a church... We have our care groups. We'll start with life transforming groups. (laughs) Follow the notes this time. Um, Our life transforming groups. We have nine groups and 23 people. We actually had another person this last week, actually, several people this last week. We have nine groups and 23 people reading the scriptures on a daily basis. Engaging with God's word, to hear his voice, to, to know his leading. This is, this is one of my favorite things that we're doing as a church. We actually have more people in life transforming groups than we have that made it to service tonight because of, because of whatever. The weather, Seahawks playing, you know, whatever. <laughs> Whatever's going on. Care groups. We have six groups with 37 people. We've planted three groups. We have the ability to plant more groups because we have invested in, in our people that so that they can lead. We are raising up leaders so that when this seed of a church explodes, we'll be able to handle and care for more people. We'll be able to love on and shepherd more people. We could actually handle a hundred people in our church with as many people, leaders we have in our care groups. We have a lot of capacity leadership wise. I'm really proud of what we have there. But we, we planted three groups. Let's go back to the life transforming groups for just a second. We've we got nine groups. We have 22 people I love this. I'm gonna be really excited when we have that next level of discipleship. When 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 people start planting their own life-transforming groups, um, Michael has just started planting his first group. He's been part he's been part of a life-transforming group, and now he's he's starting a new life-transforming group. That's disciples that make disciples that make disciples. So as much as I love the nine groups, I'm going to be really excited when we have 18 groups because of the people in those groups taking on new people, inviting new people into that. That's disciples that make disciples. That's having grandkids and great-grandkids. That's having generations of people being invested in. And and not just generationally from a standpoint of I'm 51 and, and some of you are not quite that old and some of you are a couple of years older than that, like not that kind of generation. I'm talking about generations of, of people being invested in so they're investing in others so they invest in others. I'm looking forward, I'm excited for the opportunity for us to build generations of spiritual children in our church. Let's go to uh, the slide after care groups. In order to do services here, we we created teams, and we're still we're still farming those teams. We're still building those teams with tech and worship, hospitality, ridge runners, facilities, outreach. These are our major service opportunities, and I'm and I'm excited about what we're doing there because I see more people owning what it takes to have service happen on on Sundays. But when we have Next generations of people serving and and people stepping into new leadership roles that they're not in today. That's to me, that's gonna be super exciting to see see that generational growth of discipleship. As much as I love what we got going on now, I see so much capability because of the godly, faithful people we have in this room and the amount of maturity that I see we are like this seed that has all this energy and all this potential then and it's gonna just explode at some point and and I don't know when I don't know how but I believe that's God's purpose I believe that's God's design and the question is are we ready to do our part in that Take a look at the next slide. Uh, next slide. Sorry. There we go. Guys, we've been talking about maturing. We all start out as spiritual infants. And we, we start to toddle a little bit, right? We start to get our feet under us. We're learning new things. And then we start walking the faith and people, you know, as a spiritual infant, spiritual child, someone still has to feed us because spiritual infants, spiritual childs, so they'll go to the same psalm, the same proverb for the rest of their life if someone doesn't introduce them to meat or milk or, you know, like, like little kids, like a 10-year-old kid. They're going to go for, for Cracker Jacks or, or that sugary cereal every time. I mean, I like Cracker Jacks too but I know I need other things to eat. And so we have to help people grow and mature spiritually, and they go from infant to child to a young adult. Sometimes we start to get comfortable, though, with where we're at. And we, we just kind of exist in that same spot, that same place spiritually, and we can actually do that for years we have not reached full maturity until we are a spiritual parent that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. I love the spiritual conversations that we're having, I love the spiritual investment that we're having. But until our disciples are making disciples, we have more growth. We have, and, 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 it's, you know, me personally, I am still focusing in on my own discipleship. 51 years, been part of the church for 45 years, 46 years. But there's there's some things that you guys disciple. This is why I go to care group and this is why I go to life transforming group because I'm not done with my own discipleship. Uh, Jen Blake and I had a conversation Wednesday night after care group, and she goes, "Well, I just assumed because you guys are up there and you guys are talking all the time, and you seem to know what you're talking about." I'm like, "Roughly right, too." I'm like, "You have an experience that I don't have." I go to care group ready to receive and to give. I go to care group to grow as a disciple and to disciple. Until we have disciples that make disciples that make disciples, we need to keep pressing into the things that Christ is calling us to. Will it be awkward sometimes? Yeah. Will it be hard sometimes? Uh Uh-huh. Will it challenge us? Uh Uh-huh. 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 Will it be good? Jesus said he'd be with us even to the end of the age. I'm all for that. I am all for facing hard things if I get to experience Jesus today again. And that's what I'm living my life for. Uh, You've you probably been noticed or you knew or you heard that Logan and I went to a, a wedding last week. It was, it was Logan's youngest brother. And uh, a gal by the name of Haley that uh, Christy and I and, and our kids uh, kind of adopted. I mean, she was at her house a lot, a lot. Uh, it was good. Um, but she was a part of our church and and connected with her kids really well and just over a house a lot. And so kind of like adopted. When we're, you know, we, we got those, right? We got adopted kids. Those of us who are parents, um, even those of us who are not. But... Um, it was fun to watch, like, watch this couple get married. They, they met in care group, of all places. And they noticed something unique about the other person, about just their their spiritual journey and where they were at. And, and they're like, man, this person is really buying into this discipleship stuff and really buying into Jesus. And it was it was amazing. They really, they loved it. It was fun to hear that part of their story come out during their wedding. Because, you know, it's been a while since I've seen Haley. I don't see her as regularly now that we moved here for the last three years. And I didn't know Daniel that well. Other than, you know, the brother of a really good guy. That's, that's what I knew about Daniel. And so it was, it was fun to, like, hear their stories and see their faith stories come, come bleeding out. Well, Logan shared the story with me about uh, what happened later in the evening after the Croyles exited stage left, and, and the two dads, Mark and Scott, were having this conversation. And, and Mark makes a statement, I think we did okay. I think we did okay with, with our kids. And they were just excited to see their kids take that next step, take the things that had been given to them as, they, as the parents had invested in them for, what, 21 years? 22? Daniel's 24? Man, he looks 16, but I was was trying to be generous. I got my glasses replaced, apparently. Um, 24 years old. You know, for us as parents, like, we're wondering, uh, did we do everything that we needed to do? Did we say everything that we needed to say? What is going to help our kids mature and know Christ? And Mark said, I think I get a well-done, good and faithful servant. At least, at least for one. He wasn't sure about the other three, but he was pretty confident. I'm sure it's two. I mean, Daniel's sister, like she's rock solid too. Whether someone is your physical child or your spiritual child I don't know if there's anything better than watching them fully own their own faith in Christ and start living it out I don't know if there's anything better than that and that's what I want us to live for as a church that's what I want us to live for as a church now, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what Daniel and, and Haley do over the next 20, 24 years. <laughs> Will they be as intentional as their parents were? Will they be as intentional? We'll find out. Guys, the implication is this. Proximity to church can't be confused with discipleship. Just getting somebody close to church, just getting them close to the pastor, just getting them close to someone spiritual. That can't be confused for discipleship. We must intentionally disciple the next generation of believers. We have to be intentional about doing our part which is doing life-transforming groups, doing care groups, doing Bible studies, inviting people in to serve, but ultimately teaching them to hear the voice, know the voice of Jesus, so that they can obey that voice too. That's what we're called to. A couple next steps. Number one. Intentionally commit to being discipled. Intentionally commit, like on a regular basis, be committed to your own discipleship. Like I said, when I go to care group, I go to receive as much or more as to give. And I'm being serious here. I've I've had pastors... This is going back 25 years ago, but I've had pastors that have said, you need care group, guys. You need small group. You need Bible study. Were they committed to that for themselves? No. No, 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 no. Our core values, the things that we talk about all, all the time, about unity and diversity and roughly right and and uh, sacrificial generosity and vulnerability. These are things that I need as a human being. I need them. I need care group. I need life transforming group. I'm going to live it out before you. Are you going to live it out before others? Are you going to continue to grow in Christ until he returns will you intentionally invest in your own discipleship and then intentionally commit to living out discipleship in all your spiritual relationships i think we probably have a lot of spiritual relationships but have we said hey have you been discipled do you have do you have questions about what what your relationship with God is supposed to look like? Has anybody come alongside you and just intentionally invested in you spiritually? Would you like to join my life transforming group? My buddy James, I I invite him to join the life transforming group with myself and Dave, and and uh, I said, why don't you just give it a try? read three scriptures or three passages every, every day for a week and, and just see what God says to you. And he says, well, I don't know. He goes, I'm, I might be able to do it for, you know, for a week or two. And we'll just see what happens. I said, let's give it six weeks. Let's do this for six weeks and, and just, see what, just see what happens. Well, he's already talking about that. That was months ago, three, four months ago, I think, now. And he's already talking about next, next March, next April, when he travels for work, how we're going to stay connected. He's well beyond the six weeks, he, he's just gone. And he has so many questions. So many questions. Questions that are not going to get answered just out on, you know, the golf course or like lots of questions get answered there too. But we need that intentional time. Are you being intentional with the people in your life that God has placed in your life? Have you said, I will invest in you? Intentionally commit to living out discipleship in all these spiritual relationships. Because if we don't, guys, what I'm afraid is that we'll drop the baton. We'll drop the baton. We're running a relay. And that next generation, they won't get the finished race. And I don't want to live life that way. I want to have that baton firmly in hand and firmly hand it off so that they could do the same thing. That's the life we're called to.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana, If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come say hello. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at give. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Feel like tool, tool, time, Tim. You know, seeing a 454 engine that's blown. Oh, whiteboard.